0: Welcome to Media, the Milford Youth Agency's media production podcast. I'm Dylan, the host, and our special guest today is Kathy Hanley from Western Connecticut Coalition to talk about vaping and the dangers. Welcome, Kathy.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Could you start by telling us um, more about you and what you do?
1: Sure, I'd love to. So um, I'm with the Western Connecticut Coalition. We are one of the regional behavioral health action organizations with the state of Connecticut. We are funded by the Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services, and we do work around substance misuse prevention, mental health wellness, suicide prevention, problem gambling. Uh, we, we connect people to treatment and recovery services. Um, we work with a tremendous amount of volunteers. We, we could not do the work that we do without the boots on the ground coalition members that we work with. Um, we service 43 towns in the western part of the state. Uh, from uh, the northwest corner down to Ridgefield. So that includes the greater Torrington, greater Waterbury, and greater Danbury areas. Um, Within those 43 towns, there are 26 local prevention councils that are grassroots coalitions. Um, For example, you have one right here in New Milford called New Milford Can. Um, So we work closely with these groups. We provide technical assistance and training. We attend their meetings. Uh, we, We support them in any way we can. Uh, we also are responsible to uh, help them with the grant money that they receive from the Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services. We pass through that money. Um, and again, like just with the training and technical assistance that goes along with the work that they're doing within their communities around the same things I already mentioned, which is ma- basically substance misuse prevention, mental health wellness, suicide prevention, and basically just trying to build healthy healthy communities uh, within Western Connecticut. So
0: you're saying you were working with like um, substance prevention. Can you explain briefly what vaping is and the product and brands that are commonly used?
1: Sure, I can. So, um, vaping is something that came along, you know, recently. I would say I think I think the products kind of came on the market around 2007, um, but it's only been in the last like maybe three or four years that the uh, use level of these products has really exploded um so it 's all it 's kind of like on everybody 's radar now, and um what vaping actually is i can I can tell you a little bit about how the devices work um i didn 't bring with me one with me today, but since we 're this is not a a visual type of conversation, yeah. I guess it really doesn't matter anyway um so basically, what it is is um we we can call it an electronic nicotine delivery uh system. Uh, it 's a device that is made up of a heating uh, heating element and um, a a chargeable component that that heat uh, that creates that heat
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then there 's a liquid uh, like a cartridge or some sort of tank system that 's connected together and so if uh, t- if we I like to talk about the jewel because that 's one of the most popular devices yeah. among the high school kids so the Juul looks like a USB drive. It's very long and sleek. Um, and it it has like a, a little power, like a power device that plugs into either the side of your laptop into a USB port. So the side of your laptop or the front of your desktop computer, or you can put it into the charger for your phone and plug it in on the wall. So then that's, so you're charging it up and that becomes your um, your heating device. And then you pop in uh, a pod. So in the case of a Jewel, it would be a disposable, Pod, um, you pop that in, and then uh, the user can inhale it. And what happens is that liquid um, with the heat becomes an aerosol, and the user then inhales that into their lungs. So the and the that's really what's what vaping is all about. So it's really, um, it's not a vapor; it's actually an aerosol, and that's what's being uh, that you know vaping is is the act of using one of these devices, and they're called an electronic nicotine delivery system. But but those devices can be used to deliver other substances.
0: Um, what are recent- Recent trends that you've you've seen with youth vaping, have you seen it increase?
1: Yes, unfortunately, we have among our youth. Um, so I guess what I where I'd like to start is by saying that um, we in prevention like to talk about the success and how we've gotten people to stop smoking traditional cigarettes. If you look mm-hmm. at um, Tobacco rates over the last 30 years, they've really come down significantly. And in the the last, I would say maybe between 2011 and 2017, we saw traditional smoking rates decline down to only like 3.5% of youth in Connecticut. Um, But unfortunately, conversely, we've seen the use of these e-cigarettes climb in that same exact time period from like 2% to in 2017, we were looking at rates of 15% in the state. And that that information comes from the Connecticut Youth Tobacco Survey. And that's 2017 data. Now, if you want to talk about nationwide, I have some more recent information that uh, there's a youth tobacco survey that, that was done in 2019 among high school students that indicated that 27.5% of the students surveyed were using um, an electronic nicotine delivery system or or were vaping in the last 30 days. So when we talk about data, past 30-day use means they're a current user of that product. And then if we want to talk about middle school, the rates there are at about 10%. Um, And those have really been on the rise just in the last couple of years, So, so much so that the Surgeon General and the Centers for Disease Control have actually called vaping a youth epidemic.
0: How are um, these vaping products marketed to like youth and stuff?
1: Well um, let, we can let's start talking about flavors for a few minutes So mm. um, back in 2009 with the tobacco, Act that was signed by President Obama, all flavored traditional cigarettes, the flavors were removed with the exception of menthol and tobacco. And that was done because there was data to support back then that flavors were a reason uh, why young people smoked. So let's talk about vaping. Uh, These products are marketed with flavors like gummy bears and cotton candy and silly things like unicorn vomit and Mm -hmm. um, those kinds of silly names. And also um, fruit flavors and candy flavors. So, again, let's talk about the Juul because that's the most popular device among our high school kids. Um, They had flavors like mango and mint and creme brulee. Uh, That were very popular among youth. As a matter of fact, I think the word mango was sort of a term that that people in our schools were hearing that they realized later on was connected to jeweling and, and vaping. Um so uh, there's there's data from this the this organization called the Truth Initiative which I highly recommend that folks get connected to them. They have a really great webpage. They have an e- an email that you can sign up for every week that and they send out great articles all about um getting down to the truth about tobacco use among youth and so they're a great resource. And they've done tons tons of uh research, tons of surveys um, and what they discovered was talking to kids that are already using these products. Eighty um, percent of them said that they started using them because of the flavors. So um, it's it's obvious that that's an, that's something that we should be concerned about. And um, there's been some talk recently about a flavor ban, and uh, we could talk a little bit more about that later. Yeah. But um, as far as marketing goes. Um, If you if you look at Jewel and what they've done with their products, uh, going back to maybe 2015, you know they did use some social media influencers and they did have a marketing campaign that was really uh, Instagram focused. They used Mm -hmm. a lot of bright colors. They put up a bunch of ads in Times Square, and you can find all this stuff online. Um, And the Truth Initiative does a really good job of kind of organizing some of these things. And Stanford. I also would like to say that Stanford University has done a lot of research around vaping. Um, and they've done a really good job of comparing advertising of these products, uh, kind of looking at what Big Tobacco did back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and comparing that to what these, the companies that manufacture these products today are doing with very similar tactics and advertising. It's very interesting. Yeah. Um, so Juul did have this, this what, what appears to be, if you look at it, and if I had a picture in front of here, I would show you, what appears to be a real youth-focused campaign. Young people having a good old time um using these products um so so yeah there is definitely an element uh there's some questionable elements in 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 the intent of whether these products were being marketed to youth
0: yeah because i've seen a lot of like truth um advertisements on like social media now yeah there's like a lot of prevention and like what you're saying i watched like a documentary about like the jewel and stuff before and they said that like the, they were targeting, obviously targeting like the youth, but their flavors and everything. So, um, if
1: I could add something to that too, Dylan. Um, I think it was back in 2018 when, like I said, the Surgeon General, um, you know, called this an epidemic. Mm-hmm. That they started to look at some of the companies that were making these products, and again, talking about the jewel because. It's the product of choice for young people, and they really saw that the jewel had, the company itself, had about 75% of the market share of the money that was being made on these products, so it was wasn't hard for them to figure yeah. out, hey, maybe we should take a look at this company and what they're doing. So the feds actually did go in and uh, kind of investigate some of the things mm-hmm. that they were doing, which is exactly what we did back back in the day when big tobacco was targeting youth. And And that's something that you can find if you have a little time yeah. and want to go on the web and dig into some of those big tobacco settlements from the 80s. Um, where there is documentation that was taken directly from the boardrooms of of R. J. Reynolds and Philip Morris, when that they verbatim were going after fourteen year olds and and figuring out how to how to target those age groups as new smokers because they were just looking for ways to make more money, and so getting back to Jewel, um, there was an investigation and they did. Um, asked that the um, CEO of the company uh, speak in front of Congress. And so he did do that. Um, I believe it happened last summer. So by the time this yeah, all kind of came that. about, um, he was in front of Congress. And, and the Truth Initiative actually did a really good job of summarizing the results of that. And they did, they did find that, that there were some questionable um, tactics that this company yeah. was taking. And I think once the spotlight was kind of being shown upon them, they did backpedal a little bit. Uh, they did take down their social media the uh, campaign they did they did do away with that um, they were trying to also make it look as though they were trying to couple their um, marketing with some prevention and the way they went about that was a bit questionable too using yeah. some of the Stanford University curriculum and going into schools and there's there was some questionable stuff so if anybody wants to dig a little deeper into that you can you can do a few Google searches and yeah. find out a little bit more about about some of the things that they did
0: so how are these? How are underage teens getting these products?
1: Well, that's a good question. So um, Mm -hmm. we started to collect some local data. I think I mentioned before what vaping looks like use-wise as far as the state of Connecticut goes and nationwide. But we've also been starting to collect some local data. Mm -hmm. Um, So we did do some surveys in some of our local high schools. And what we found was that of the students who are vaping, so they've reported past 30-day use of of an uh, electronic nicotine delivery system or a vape, um, they're saying that for the most part, they're getting them from their friends. That's one of the one of the main ways that they're getting them. But mm-hmm. also um, retailers have have been listed online. Um, I, I think what's what's going to happen now, we're hoping with a new policy change with Tobacco 21 that just happened uh, the state of Connecticut passed the law in October, and now as of December 20th, it's a nationwide law that you have to be over the age of 21 to buy these products. We're hoping that it'll be a little bit more difficult yeah. for uh, young folks to get their hands on these products. But I think because the age before October 1st of 2019, was, it was 18 to legally purchase these products, mm-hmm. it made it a little easier for kids in high school and even, even in middle school to just have either an older sibling or, or exactly. a friend purchase yeah. them for them.
0: So I noticed that um, specifically, like, having the older sibling get it, especially when they're 18. Like, last year, they were able to buy it, like, in school. Like, after school, they would just go to the gas station or something and be able to sell it. And then it was just, like, a big thing. But now it's nowhere near as popular since they added the law.
1: So you're starting to see it slow down a little bit.
0: Yeah, but there's still, like – there's still, like, ways they're going around it and stuff. I don't know how, but, like, I definitely did notice it was, like, the older sibling and, like, seniors, definitely.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think um – you know there there was a misperception out there about these products at the beginning i think mm-hmm. i mean i think we've done a fairly good job of educating people about these products that they contain nicotine and that they, we don't know too much about the harmful ingredients um, but i i had heard anecdotally from school people and from um, from also kids that sometimes parents were purchasing these for their for their kids because i think a lot of parents in their defense thought that it was just you know flavored vapor yeah,
0: yeah. they didn't really realize the harm and I know like some kids that um that grow up in like different households like their parents like I'm not like trying to like be offensive but like aren't like the most responsible and they'll just get them stuff and then they will sell it to like other kids like their friends and it's just like a bad cycle. Um, what are some typical ways that you could tell if your teen is vaping?
1: Okay. So, um I think one of the easiest ways is you might find an actual device itself. Um I think it's it's important for us to educate families. Um in our organization we've done some like uh newsletters and uh, publications that go out through the school with pictures I know some of the principals of the schools in our area have actually sent out newsletters to parents that just, that uh, educate parents on what these products look like so they know what to look for so I think fi- finding the device itself um, the the pods you know it, if you don't know what they are you might you know someone might find this little plastic thing laying around on the ground yeah. and not realize what it is uh, and again the device itself can look like a USB drive it could look like something that your child might be doing their homework with mm-hmm. Um, Contrary to what people think, there is a little bit of an odor associated with it. Um, I think that if you were sitting here and you were vaping, like I might not notice it right away. But I think those pods, if they're kind of sitting around, they have kind of like a sweet smell. Um, and and if if you know, so if, so I think that's that's something that. Um, can can be kind of a clue for parents if yeah. those if the pods are laying around or if their car if the car they're driving kind of has this like funny like funny odor yeah that's something to think about um, i've there's a few other like more uh, symptom wide kinds of kinds of clues like excessive thirst is something, so like if you notice that uh, your kids are drinking more water now we don 't want anybody to just start worrying yeah. about their kids if they 're drinking a lot of water but um, changes in in caffeine use uh bloody noses like there's just been like a few little things that have kind of that have kind of popped up and and of course recently now we're we're hearing about these lung illnesses where there where there's some more severe respiratory problems that have that have come up as a result of uh, of use um yeah i think those are some of the things that parents should yeah. look for or like yeah. long bathroom breaks or something y- like that yeah yeah, yeah. Like i mean of what
0: school like goes r- go to the
1: bathroom or like, right you know, right just place exactly a solitary
0: where they could do it. Can you explain the health risks associated with vaping and what EVALI is? Uh, have we had cases in Connecticut of them too?
1: So EVALI is a um, is an acronym that stands for e-cigarette or vaping product use associated lung injury, and um, since I think this kind of broke out in the summer of 2019. It really peaked in September. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was able to pull up some of the latest figures. If you go to the Centers for Disease Control, they're updating their webpage like every other week. Um, the good news is that things have sort of, like I said, it peaked in September, so, so it's sort of leveling off a little bit. I think mm-hmm. a lot of that has to do with people just being more careful about what they're what they're using. Um, but as of, um, December of, I'm sorry, January 14th of 2020, there were 2,668 hospitalized cases or deaths reported. Um, and that involved all 50 states. And 67 people have died. Um, the youngest uh, death was a 15-year-old in Texas. And just to kind of break that down a little bit, uh, 70% of those um, who have had this illness were males, 30% female. And, um, and 15% were under the age of 18, 39% were in between the ages of 18 and 24, and 26% were between the ages of 25 and 34. Um, so it's, it's a pretty large amount of folks who are kind of in that 18 to 34 um, mm-hmm. age group, and um, So what's what's happening is that uh, folks have kind of, you know, landed in the emergency department with severe um, respiratory uh, illnesses that um, look as though they had like almost a chemical burn. That was what what it was kind of being described as. And they were able to uh over time because i mean this has been going on for i I'd, I'd say around 6 months so they they've been yeah. studying all of the cases and uh so some of the things that they found out was that vitamin e acetate was in, was identified as a chemical of concern um and that they also found that a lot of the um individuals who were sick were using a like a black market thc uh, Pods. So I know we haven't really gotten into discussion yet about marijuana yeah. and using a um, a vape to to use marijuana, um, but um, the CDC is still recommending that the best way to you know avoid any risk with these products is really to um, only use products that are purchased from the store. But and they're mm-hmm. also standing by the the fact that nobody under the age of 21. So they're saying no young people, no young adults, no pregnant women should ever be using these products. They yeah. also are saying that if a, if an adult or anybody who has never has never used a tobacco product that they should definitely not be using an e-cigarette. So, um these are some of the recommendations that they're that they're putting out there as a result of what's happened. So from my understanding, a lot of devices I've seen are carts
0: or cartridges, which have marijuana in them. What is the difference between these devices?
1: Yeah, so let's talk about that for a minute. So um, the the way that uh, a person can use a vape to, to smoke marijuana, it, it's a little different than the Juul. So the, the Juul, um, for the most part, only comes with those self-contained pods, and mm-hmm. um well, I don't know if, we're, if you're going to ask me something later about the nicotine piece, but I'd like to talk about that for a second while we're on the okay. topic of the pod. So um, I think it's important for our listeners to know that every one of those pods from the Jewel um, contains the same amount of nicotine as a pack of cigarettes that 5% in that pod, whereby a traditional cigarette, the nicotine strength is between 1% and 2%. So it, it can be up to 2.5 times the strength of nicotine. So it's really important that we kind of stress that. And the Truth Initiative did a survey on, the, on those who were thirty day, past 30-day users of vapes. And what they found was um, those who were juuling 63% of those who were juuling said that they did not know that the pod always contains nicotine. So that means that a lot of these kids, that, that's two-thirds of those who were surveyed, thought they were just vaping like a liquid flavor, like a mango yeah. or a mint flavor, without realizing that they were taking in nicotine. And nicotine is an addictive drug. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the teen brain for a minute. So the um, maybe you've heard that the brain is not fully developed until you're about 25 between 25 and 27 years old yeah, definitely. so there's a lot that's happening in that brain right when you're the age you are right now there's a lot of functions that are not fully formed, and one of the, that's why kids take a lot of risks. You know, the executive mm-hmm. function part of your brain is not fully developed, so there's a lot of risk taking that goes on. And when you start to introduce substances to that underdeveloped brain, you, your brain gets sort of hijacked. I've heard this word, gets hijacked. Mm-hmm. Um, and nicotine is very addictive, so it's you're, you you are more susceptible to addiction at this age. So when you start to introduce nicotine, a highly addictive drug, um, you're priming your brain for future addictions. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that just because someone's vaping today that they're going to have a substance use disorder later. But yeah. you're but you're putting yourself at greater risk yeah. for that to happen. You really are. Um, and so uh, let's talk about marijuana for a second because that's another uh, substance that um, – can be, be problematic also for a, a young, underdeveloped brain. And I've read some uh, research on marijuana and how it um, can also, again, prime the brain for future addiction. It also uh, does things to diminish a young person's um, motivation. Uh, it can actually lower your IQ. A lot of you know, if over overtime use, especially if you start young, like 13 or 14 years old, mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of things, there's a lot of risks that are that are involved in marijuana use. And and I think that, unfortunately, this device has made it a little bit easier or maybe even a little bit more socially acceptable to use marijuana because it's, it's a little um, sneakier. You're not lighting up and smoking something. I think a lot of, because of the work that we've yeah. done around teaching kids not to smoke, I don't think they want to smoke marijuana. But maybe mm. they might think, oh, I've got this vape that seems a little bit... Um, safer. And we're starting to see a movement across this entire nation whereby, you know, a lot of states are legalizing uh, the recreational or retail sales of marijuana. Uh, The state of Connecticut does have uh, medical marijuana. It is legal in the state um, if you uh, qualify with certain medical conditions. So I think there's a lot of confusion among young people about whether marijuana is safe. Um, so I guess I would like to use this opportunity to just reiterate that you know if you're under the age of 21, you should not be using uh, nicotine and you should not be using marijuana. And I guess I have to remind everybody also that marijuana is use is still illegal in the mm-hmm. state of Connecticut. Um, it's still illegal uh, from the federal point of view. Um, it, they they still consider it a Schedule One drug, so it is it is not legal to use marijuana in, you know in the United States. So. Um, that's something that's something to to consider yeah um like
0: what you're saying why the kids use like the the vapes is because um i noticed that that it doesn't have a smell like they said it doesn't have a smell like if you actually like, smoke it so then it's like easier to like hide and stuff i don't like it's yeah. it more socially acceptable to just, like
1: I think you're right. Yeah, when I'm talking about vaping, and like if I'm giving a presentation, I, I always mm-hmm. say something like, you know, if, if if you were to light up a cigarette in this room, everybody would know. Yeah. But if you were to take out your vape and puff on that, we wouldn't necessarily know. So that makes mm-hmm. it like really easy to hide, really easy to use in places where in the past you wouldn't have considered using. And I think the same mm-hmm. thing goes for marijuana. So unfortunately that means that kids – under the noses of their teachers and their parents, could be could be using marijuana. Whereby maybe in the past, if
2: yeah. if a
1: if a young person had to light up a joint in order to smoke or some sort of pipe, it's mm. a little bit more obvious, and that, you know you're not really able to get away with it as yeah. well like in the past. But but now it's it's a lot easier to kind of sneak it around. So and the other thing I'd like to mention about uh, THC is. Um, there's no quality control on, on these products. You know, they're still, like I said, they're illegal.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so they're being purchased on the street from the black market. And the the liquid, the, the THC level that's in some of these liquids can be up to 90% strength, which is really, uh, just just for, for those of you who are listening out there who are adults who, you know, may have been exposed to marijuana, let's say, 30, 40 years ago, um, that marijuana was typically at about like three or four percent, and then you know your regular plant-based marijuana would be like somewhere around thirty percent even today. Mm-hmm. Um, but these liquids uh, and even like the edibles and things too, they can they can really have a lot of THC in them. So yeah. if you're not really careful, if you don't really know what you're getting, and you don't really know how much you should be using, then then there is really good chances that that a young person could be intaking a a, a great amount of THC, um, and that can that can increase their uh, risk for uh, a psychotic break, um, mm. you know, for for overuse, and we've we've heard stories of like kids who are ending up in the hospital because of that. Mm. Um, so it's just something for uh, it, it's something for parents to be aware of, and I, I hope even for the young people who are listening um, to just really. Get a better understanding of what it is that you're you're putting into your bodies, mm-hmm. yeah,
0: especially if it's like unknown, you wouldn't want to like put anything unknown that's in right your body. yeah, what ingredients are typically in the vape devices,
1: okay, so um, some you know research has been done on some of these liquids, uh and they can contain things like heavy heavy metals like um, lead and also things like acetone, you know, which you would use to remove your nail polish and things like that, which, you know, Mm -hmm. you wouldn't want to put into your body. Um, so it's those kinds of ingredients that, um, are, are not good to be ingesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, the other thing, since you mentioned ingredients, I'd also like to mention that these, even the product like Products like the Jewel, like legitimate products that are being sold at your local uh, convenience store or drugstore or supermarket, none of those at the moment are being regulated by the Food and Drug Administration. So there is a process. Um, under, under which each one of these companies is supposed to be submitting their product for review um, in May of this year, in May of 2020. Um, so if I could just backtrack for a second. So when, when we started to see the rise of, of um, e-cigarette use, Back in 2016, the feds came up with some some laws around it. And so at that time, the aid, legal age was 18, could not purchase a product unless you were 18. Free yeah. samples could not be distributed. They could not be sold in vending machines. Um, and then the next thing that was supposed to happen is that the products were all supposed to be regulated by the FDA. And that was supposed to happen in 2017. And then that got delayed until 2021. But now that there's been all this... Um, you know, controversy about people getting sick and, and this you know epidemic that we're calling it among young people, that has been accelerated a little bit. So now everybody is supposed to be turning their products in by May of this year, May of 2020. And so the, Fed, the Fed, Food and Drug Administration will be doing a full review and they will decide whether or not these products are healthy. For mm-hmm. the pub for the public, and so it's going to be interesting to see what happens um, at that point. So there's not a lot of research about these products, yeah. so that's that's why um, you know it's it's hard to say whether there's whether they're safe or not. We really don't know, mm-hmm. um, and I think just based on the fact that so many people have gotten sick recently, I think that's an indication that they're really not safe. And and so I you'd be safe and sorry. Yeah, yeah, and I really think that. You know, we started out this conversation by talking about, you know, getting people to stop smoking was such a tremendous Mm -hmm. uh, success story for prevention, right? I mean, we made it socially unacceptable to smoke. And as a result, so many less people are dying of cancer and uh, lung illnesses. Um, So I I think it's going to take some time. um, But what we want to do is we want to get our young people to kind of start looking at Using uh, a vape device, whether it be for nicotine or marijuana, as something that's just as unsafe as we've taught you all to know that smoking is not safe. You know, yeah. and that and we it, that took time and a lot of policy change and a lot of prevention efforts and um, uh, making it kind of a, a it has to be like a cultural and societal movement. Um, but I think I think young people are starting to kind of pay attention to what's going on. There's mm-hmm. there's been a little bit of a movement to. Uh, get rid of your vape. Uh, there's a hashtag yeah. called Ditch Juul, which I've you probably that, found yeah. because you said you were looking around on the Truth Initiative website. Um, they did a survey, a very recent survey of kids who are who have been, you know, current users of of their Juul, and around f- between 50 and 60 percent of them said they want to quit. Like they're really interested in quitting. So we're we're trying to incorporate some of those, uh, some of that kind of restorative policy. Uh, around you know with our schools when when students get caught so let's say um, you know you were the captain of the basketball team and you get caught with your with a jewel and so there has to be some sort of consequence right which which might involve a a suspension from the from the team maybe you lose your title as captain and then uh, maybe an in-school suspension or out of school suspension depending on the policy of the school but what we're trying to also do is look at things like, hey, let's sit down and have you meet with a counselor, and let's find out like maybe you've got a problem, maybe you're addicted to this this device and you don't know how to yeah. stop. So how about if we try to connect students with um, resources on how to quit? And there's lots of things that are out there. You can um, there's a text line. Jewel has a text line, and I'll have to I'm gonna look that up for you in a second. Um, but there are other um, call lines that you can um, that you can use to uh, s- to get support, and, and how do you want to quit? Because I believe that um, that like many kids are like want to quit, but they just don't
0: know how. And they, like especially if they're trying to keep it like a secret from their parents, like there's just like it's really hard for them to quit without opening up to anyone.
1: I agree with you, and actually, I think that's you you that's a really good point that I'd like to kind of address is um, the importance of um, families and parents. And I, I think what the best what's the best thing that families and parents can do is first of all educate yourself. You know, learn about right. these products, learn everything you can about them. And there's so many great websites out there. Like the Surgeon General has one about e-cigarettes, um, the Truth Initiative, which we've already mentioned, the American Lung Association, Stanford University. There's there's a lot of like even if you just did a couple of simple Google searches, you can find out a lot of great information about about vaping. The CDC, the Surgeon General. Um, so that would be my first recommendation is learn whatever you can about these products and then have a conversation. I, I, I always like to empower parents. Um, kids report that, their parents really do have a lot of influence over them. They really yeah. do listen contrary to what what parents might think. They really do listen. So mm-hmm. I whenever I do a presentation on anything in front of families and parents, I always try to just remind them, "Hey, you are really the your the you know, you're obviously your yeah. kids' number one fan." And so um, it's important to open up those uh, opportunities for conversation, you know, at the dinner table, when you're in the car, uh, you know, anytime you can can kind of just open up the lines of communication. I think it's really important. Um, that way, if if you're and, and if you're developing those kinds of relationships, and it doesn't even mm. have to be with your own kids, it can be with anybody that you have contact with. Whether you're a mentor, or whether it's your your friends, your kids' friends, um, if you're a teacher or a coach or anybody who has any contact with kids, yeah.
2: um,
1: I think it's really important for young people to know that they have somebody that they can talk to. Because I think you're right. I think in some cases, kids are um, they're hooked on these things, mm. and I think a lot of times. They're being used um, because of some other underlying issue that may be going on. Now, sometimes kids just like to do things that are risky and fun, right? Or that they think are fun. Um, But other times, I I think young people are stressed. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a lot going on in school. They're under a lot of pressure. There's a lot to think about between homework and sports and colleges and jobs and things like that. And I think it's, it's... it's, I've heard it set, being said that young people, like, they want to rip on their jewel because it just makes them calm down. It makes them feel better. And, and that's really the number one reason why we use substances is yeah. to feel good and to feel better. Um, so I think I think it's important for all of us to, to, to make ourselves open to conversation. Now, I understand sometimes there has to be consequence and sometimes things have to be punitive. But I think um, for the most part, you know, building relationships with young people so that we can help them to um, – you know develop healthier coping skills is yeah. important
0: and i know there's um vape i mean not vape um test kits for to see if you're using marijuana is there any um kits to see if you're using vapes or like nicotine
1: well i think depending on the product i mean most of the um like we we already talked about the juul so we know those pods yeah. always have nicotine in them i don't know that there's a test strip to test for nicotine, but I know that um, in several of our schools, if the school resource officer, the SRO, um, you know, catches a student in school with a vape device, they do, a lot of them do test. I don't know about New, Mil- New Milford High School, but in some, some schools they do. And they are able to, to recognize whether that, what's in that vape is a marijuana, is a THC. And, um, but again, whether it's nicotine or marijuana, it's, it's it's really still about having, having that conversation and getting, getting that student some help. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and and if it is marijuana, I think, um, you know, or in either case, really, I would recommend counseling, finding somebody that they can talk to and getting the parents involved, um, and just making sure they're okay and having it not just be, not just be punitive, not just an in-school suspension where, um, you know, once that's over, they might just pick up the habit again. Because I feel like a lot
0: of kids are, like, afraid to, like, ask for help because it's such – it's, like, frowned upon. I mean, it's not a good thing, but, like, they're just, like, so afraid to ask for help because they believe they're going to get in trouble that, like, they just
1: don't. I think it's hard for a lot of people to ask for help, even Mm -hmm. adults, when it comes to these kinds of topics. There's a lot of stigma around substance use. Um, and I just think you know people probably feel like they're going to be judged, and yes. so I, I again I just can't say it enough that I think you know the, the importance of of talking with kids is is really it's it's really important.
0: Is there any data showing a link between youth vaping and future drug use?
1: Um, I guess I would just go back to what I yeah. mentioned earlier about the underdeveloped brain and how you know, young people are more susceptible to uh, you know, priming the brain for future addiction. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know that I would say that there's a causality between vaping and, and, uh, and future substance use, but I just think that it's, for, it's important for our listeners to know that you, if you introduce any substance into the brain as a young person, um, you're, you're more susceptible to having a substance use disorder later. You mentioned it before, like, a kid can, like, text the hotline
0: or, like, ask for help. Is there any, like, other ways a kid can quit vaping or using nicotine?
1: Um, I think I think um, one of the best ways is to, to work with a counselor, whether it's somebody mm-hmm. at school or outside of school. Um, I think it's important Uh, we like to talk about healthy coping skills so uh, teaching all kids whether they're using substances or not um, how to kind of understand how to uh, deal with their emotions how to deal with stress um, to learn what works best for blowing off steam whether it be um, you know reading a book or doing yoga Uh, meditation breathing um, you know hanging out with your friends watching TV maybe playing a video game like I think it's really important for all of us to kind of have tools in our toolbox for you know those days when we're just having a bad day rather than you know reach for uh, a substance like nicotine or marijuana mm-hmm. or alcohol. Um, I think those I think those are kind of like important skills that we're trying to kind of incorporate in all of the prevention work that we're doing a- yeah. across the service area. As a matter of fact, we just we were just at the um, at the Max uh, at the beginning of this month. My uh-huh. my uh, colleague Sarah Lorenzini, who's with the Air Force National Guard, she and I uh, went to the Max and met with the I believe it was the leadership group of of the Youth Agency, and we talked a little bit about vaping and substance misuse, and and then um, we incorporated some. Uh, some skill building around healthy coping skills. And uh, mm. one of the things we did was we talked about things like fidgets, like a fidget, st- uh, like a fidget <laughs> spinner. I know sometimes those, those – I guess the fidget spinner has kind of a bad rap right now, but, like, mm-hmm. there are other things that you can – put in your pocket like a rock or um yeah just, keep just like distracted. a piece of lego that you can you know something that just enough to kind of like if you're feeling like a little anxious about something just to just to take your mind off of things so mm-hmm. we're we're really trying to work hard on on that kind of uh skill building with our young people um i also think is a good way to like help someone that's trying
0: to quit is like surrounding themselves with like good people that like don't do it because like i know if like their friends do it, like, they're surrounded by people that are doing it, it's, like, it will be a lot harder for them to quit. So if they surround themselves with, like, good influences and people that, like, want like want them to quit or want to help them, it would be a lot easier.
1: I think that's important. Um, but the flip side of that is we don't want to shame people who yeah. may be, you know, using those products. So it's kind of a, a kind of a fine balance. Like, I wouldn't want to advise young people to ditch their friends because – because of something like that, because I think That's sometimes true. we need to support one another. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's about like just not just having conversations with your parents, but also having conversations among your peers. And, I, mm-hmm. and again, I'll just reiterate that I think the, one of the most important ways you can have the conversation is by just presenting facts, because okay. I, just, I, think there's, I think there's a lot of uh, misinformation out there about these products.
0: Is there any research showing effects of vape nicotine or marijuana on the developing brain?
1: the effects of the developing teen brain with marijuana use. um, Some of those are difficulty with critical thinking skills, like paying attention, solving problems and memory. Um, Also, impaired reaction time. So that's something that's important with with respect to driving. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's why we have to be really careful about driving under the influence of marijuana, just like we would with driving under the influence of alcohol. And I think that's another thing that... I think we've done a pretty good job of getting the message across to young people that you don't drink and drive. But yeah. unfortunately, we're starting to hear anecdotally and even see some evidence in places like Colorado and Washington State where they have legalized the retail sales that um, people are driving under the influence of marijuana. Mm-hmm. And so it's dangerous because your, your, your reac- reaction time and your coordination are, are slowed yeah. down. Um, decline in school performance is another one. I think I mentioned before mm-hmm. that it's that... That motivation piece, like, like it kind of just kind of slows down your motivation to do well. So yeah. then you kind of start slipping in school and maybe with your you know sports teams or whatever clubs you might be involved in. Um, and then there's an increased risk of mental health issues like depression and anxiety. So whereby someone might think that using marijuana makes them feel less anxious. Um, it it really can do just the opposite, and 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 we I think I mentioned before that sometimes psychosis can be a problem, especially if someone's using those high levels of THC, and if there's a family history of mental illness, um, it that just puts that person at more risk, just like with families who have. Um, if uh, history of substance use disorder if you have a history of that in your family you are at greater risk of having a substance use disorder yourself more so than the person next to you who does not have that family history. So that's another mm-hmm. thing to um, take into consideration. So some of the side effects uh, of marijuana use can be um, par- panic attacks and and um, paranoia, uh, difficulty with sleeping, um, an increased heart rate um, and there's that, Uh, risk of addiction. You know, I think a lot of people, there's a sort of a misconception out there that marijuana is not addictive and that is really not true. Um, So that's something uh, to take into consideration as well.
0: So what advice do you have for parents who may be listening?
1: Um, Again, I just think that uh, it's really important to develop relationships with your kids um, I just I, I always like to empower parents that they really you know you you have a tremendous influence over your kids so use mm-hmm. that influence um, have con- have the conversations educate yourself about these things um, and it, it's it's really important that we keep anybody under the t- age of twenty one that's why the legal age to use alcohol now tobacco is twenty one it's twenty one for a reason mm-hmm. um, and so. I just would like to kind of get the message out there that we really do need to keep kids substance free um up you know until they until they're a little bit older because of that underdeveloped brain and it, it's really important um and I I just think the conversation I can't say enough about the conversations and the relationship building have dinner with your kids do do things that don't you know require substances you know maybe Doing things with family and and friends that are substance free, like you know, going to the movies and um, going bowling or things like that, where it's isn't so much exposure to alcohol or uh, nicotine or or anything like that.
0: Okay, so that pretty much sums up my questions for today. Do you have any questions that you would like to ask me?
1: Um, yeah, I just, well, I just want to talk a little bit more about Tobacco 21 because that's okay. that's new. I think I mentioned before that uh, the governor of the state of Connecticut signed that into law for October 1st of 2019. So all of the retailers in the state who are selling tobacco products were given sort of a, a toolkit about how, how this is going to work. And they, they designed the legislation and the law to really put a lot of the onus and responsibility on the retailers. So um, they're supposed to be uh, carding anybody who looks under the age of 27. So that's kind of like the gold standard. Um, and anybody who sells electronic nicotine delivery systems is supposed to be registered with the state of Connecticut, and that registration should be um, on display. Um, the feds, you know, they, they put Tobacco 21 into law in, at the end of December of 2019. So now that means nationwide um, you have to be at least 21 to purchase any tobacco product. That includes electronic nicotine delivery systems. And they also did a partial flavor ban. So yeah. um, that means that those flavored pods that we talked about, that the jewel's mm-hmm. making, like the mango and the fruit medley, uh, the creme brulee, those have all, are all going to be, um, they, they will no longer be on the shelves However, there there is still going to be an opportunity to buy what's called like an open tank system. So if you go into a vape shop, you can buy the refillable pods. That that is not a jewel, um, but you can still get a flavor like a cotton candy or a fruit flavor front in a refillable form. So we've we've taken some we've made some strides yeah. uh, with policy around um, tobacco use. But um, Tobacco 21 is a real uh, gr- big step in the right direction. So mm-hmm. we hope, we're hoping that that's going to make, um, you know, kind of change some of the youth use that we're seeing. Um, as a result of Tobacco 21, and I think also as a result of what we've been hearing in the news about these lung illnesses, we're actually starting to hear a little bit from some of our schools that, uh, s- anecdotally at least, it seems as though there's, there's it's less prominent like that the kids like it's not being used in the classroom like it was at one time Mm -hmm. so i think things are starting to um slow down a little bit now it'll be interesting to see if the data supports that as we head into 2020 whether whether the youth Mm -hmm. use rates are actually going to start to drop but we've been we've been hearing that things like um, you know, for a while there, it seemed like that was all everybody wanted to talk about at school meetings and at our local coalition meetings. And I think we're, we're, we're trying to get ahead of it with comprehensive strategies, uh, which includes some of these policy changes, um, and, and trying to get education out there, which is like what you're, what you're doing today with this yeah. podcast, which is great. Um, and we'll see we're going to it'll be interesting to see if the federal government does anything anything further um and i think it's going to be interesting to watch what happens with this product regulation which is going to be happening in may um so there's a lot a lot that's going to be happening um you know in the next in the next uh 6 months or so
0: you were saying that um there's not as much vaping going on in classrooms and stuff it made me think um it's not really as cool as it was, like, I mean, it never was really cool, but, like, it wasn't really thought to be as cool as it was now because, like, people, like, aren't really starting to do it anymore. Like, everyone, like, has, like, knows about it. Everyone, like, has done it, like, once. And so, like, m- mostly the kids that are just doing it now are just the kids that are addicted. So, like, they're not really, like, trying to, like, show off or, like, impress their friends with it. So I just – that made me think about when you mentioned that.
1: I think that's a good point. You know, young people are smart.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: so I, I think that um – um you know, once I think once you guys kind of started to get a little bit of uh, an education about some of mm-hmm. these products, you know, really having an understanding about the nicotine, you know, with these people getting sick, really understanding that there's we we don't know enough about these uh, devices. I, I I like to think that there's a little bit of a movement going on, and mm-hmm. I I think that I hope that we can kind of ride that wave right now while 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 it's kind of fresh in everybody's minds that uh, we don't know enough about these products and that maybe we should try to create a movement or. Around ditching your jewel and turning it yeah. in, and uh, just don't throw it in Candlewood Lake. I I heard, I heard something about kids throwing their jewels in the lake, and so we need to do a little bit of work around getting some information out to young people about how to safely dispose of these products because they do contain batteries. And then, of yeah. course, these ingredients and the liquid nicotine, substances that you know are toxic that we don't know enough about as well, are now going into the lake, which, I mean, I like to swim in the lake. Yeah. I live in New Fairfield. Um, so I think that's important to notice for, for the folks who live here in New Milford. Definitely. You guys are a lake community as well, so I wanted to mention that. Um, but I do like the idea that there's there's a bit of mo- a movement. Um, when I first started, kind of you know, researching vaping and getting to really understand the the issue. Uh, one of the you know tactics that we were kind of taking with with prevention was to talk about how um, you know we're, we sort of got duped by these these companies that were um, just like big tobacco to try, who were who were marketing to young people and trying to trying to uh, trick us into thinking that these products are safe and um, you know nobody nobody wants to feel like they got duped right so I yeah. think getting that information out to young people is is important. Um, you know. However, I will mention that you know there there once we have some additional research, you know, we might find that uh, these products are safer for people who are trying to quit smoking. Mm-hmm. So, like we talk a lot about harm reduction when we talk about all different kinds of substance use. And so if, if for an adult person, if, if they've been able to switch from smoking regular cigarettes to vaping, and that has helped them to you know cut back, then I think that's a good thing. So um, I just kind of wanted to mention that. Yeah. Although I will stress that the CDC and the Surgeon General are both recommending that uh, there are better ways to quit. Um, mm-hmm. Using things like the patch or nicotine gum or um, medications that you can take are better than vaping Um, just because of that high nicotine level and also the unknown you know just the the lack of regulation of the ingredients that are in these products Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't I don't want our any of our adult users out there to um, you know be you know feel like they're being shamed for you know perhaps having switched from a traditional cigarette to a vape Mm -hmm. I think really the important message is uh, that young people should never be using these products.
0: I have a question, kind of piggyback to what we were talking about earlier. Is there any bad effects of withdrawal or, like, quitting the jewel?
1: Well, I, I, I don't really know too much about the side effects, but I, mm-hmm. I just know that it's um, it's hard. You yeah. know, the, your, your body kind of gets used to having that that chemical and in, in, in that substance introduced all the time mm-hmm. and then when you take it away um it's just not it's just not easy i don't I, i'd have to you know maybe look and see what kind of like withdrawal symptoms there would be yeah. um but i just think that uh people might need support it might not be something that you mm-hmm. can just put down and walk away from easily so um I would like to ask you some some questions. Um, do you think the message of the dangers of vaping is getting out there to your peers? I think we talked a little bit about this, but what do you what do you think? Do you think that young people are getting the message?
0: I definitely seen an increase in like the vaping like like ads that are going on, um, like the bad ones, but, um, like on like on TV. Yeah, on TV, on like YouTube, on like TikTok, on like everything. Right. Like, okay. I think it's the truth too. Um, with, like, there's, like, a bunch of ads. Like, I've seen a lot of increase. And definitely with the Ditch Jewel, I've seen that on, like, TikTok as well. So, yeah, there's definitely been a big increase in that.
1: Do you think that's making a difference amongst
0: your peers? I feel like it's not really – I mean, it's making a difference in the way that's, like, not cool anymore. But it's still, like – I don't think it's still, like, motivating kids to like, just, like, quit like in general. Like, ones that are still addicted.
1: So maybe it will have an effect on young people who haven't tried mm-hmm. it
0: yet. Definitely, like, the newer okay. generations. But the people that have already done I feel like, are still, like, trapped almost.
1: Right, right. Do you think we've done enough to educate younger kids, like maybe, like, elementary, even in middle school? Like, do you think those, the age groups, do you think they have enough information to make an informed decision? Um, I believe yes, because only because
0: I have a younger brother that's in seventh grade, and I've always, like, tell him, like, never do any of that stuff, and he's, like, Tells me like a lot of information that he'll never do it. So I think he's getting well educated you about it. You think
1: he's getting the message? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, that's good. That's good to hear. Um, so you asked me this question, but yeah. what advice do you have for parents to better communicate with their kids? Um, well, maybe take like a, instead of yelling at them, maybe take like a, like an easy,
0: like nice approach, like asking for help, like asking, like help them instead of like just like screaming at them. Cause I know it could be like frustrating if you see like, your kid, like, doing something that, like, they're not supposed to be doing. But if you take it in an approach where, like, you're trying to help them instead of, like, yelling at them, I feel like it would be a lot easier to communicate with each other.
1: I think that's good advice. Okay. Um, how has vaping impacted the school environment? Well, last
0: year or the beginning of the year, there was a big problem with, like, the bathrooms. Like, okay. everyone just going to the bathroom. And so much so that there was, like, no room to even, like, go to the bathroom because, like, so many kids would be in there. And towards the beginning of the year, I don't know if you heard about, like, the um, our school specifically being on the news for locking the bathroom doors. I didn't see
1: it in the news, but I think I was with some New, M- New Milford students uh, during, like, sometime in the last six months, and I heard yeah. about it. Yeah, so they um they would, like, lock the
0: doors in between periods and, like, all this stuff and tried, like, finding ways. Like, it was, like, good intentions, but it, it was not working at all. Now they just have, like, all the doors unlocked because the— went on strike. But I've definitely seen a decrease in the use of vaping in the bathrooms in school, but it's still going on. It's still like uncomfortable and like when kids are doing it in the bathroom and stuff.
1: So that's a little bit of a, it's a little bit of a distraction. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And it's just like, it's just uncomfortable.
1: At what age do you think students are getting exposed to vaping products?
0: The first time
1: I ever heard of it was
0: when I was in eighth grade. So about like two years ago, two, three years ago. And but that was, like, when everything, like, first started, I think. That's, like, when – so I don't know if, like, the younger kids are being exposed to it earlier now. But I've had heard some, like, p- kids that are, like, vaping like, sixth grade and, like, that young, which is, like, just crazy to me because I – back then I had no idea what, like, a vape was. Is
1: sixth grade part of the middle school here? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I got exposed to it in eighth grade, but I feel like kids are getting exposed to it younger now than when I was younger.
1: So what kind of what kind of prevention message, messages do you think work? Like what what do you think is effective for getting young people to to consider not using these products? Well, in the summer there was like the thing about
0: people dying of vaping and that definitely made like a lot of people stop. I, and definitely just like, like the facts as you were saying, like just showing the kids like the fact what it's doing to them, it just helps that there's like something that motivates them to.
1: Okay, good. Um do you know anyone who has expressed that they're addicted and are interested in quitting? Do you actually know anybody who has?
0: I know several people yeah. that are trying to quit, especially athletes, because I was asking that before. Because I know people that um, play sports, it's like, just like you don't want to do it when you're playing sports. But like when you're addicted, it's like so hard. So yeah, I definitely know like a couple of people that are trying to quit. Do they feel like they have enough support? Some of them are like hiding it from their parents, so, like their parents don't know. And so, like they can't really do anything. Like they can't go to the store, like like and buy like nicotine patches or anything because they're too young to drive and stuff. So it's like definitely harder for them,
1: like the younger kids, to do it. Okay, so let's talk about some resources that we might connect folks to. So we talked about the Truth Initiative, um, and so they've got the hashtag um, Ditch jewel. Um They also have a text quit line. You can do it by text. Which is you just text "ditch jewel." That is the text, and you send it to 887-09. Um, so they're offering assistance to young people who are trying to get rid, get rid of their jewel and quit. Um, also, the um, American Lung Association uh, at 800 lung, USA or 1-800-586-8472 is a helpline and tobacco quit line. Um, and their website is lung.org, uh, and the helpline is forward slash helpline. There's um, some really good information there. Um, also, I just want to reiterate that the Surgeon General Um, their website is really good. It's really good for parents. There's fact sheets in there on how to talk to your kids. Uh, The Centers for Disease Control, which is where you'd find information on the latest updates about the e-Valley lung illnesses. Mm -hmm. Um, The Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids. Um, For anybody who's interested in, like, some school curriculum, Scholastic actually has one that's, that's really good for middle school and high school. And uh, again, I'll just reiterate the Stanford University Tobacco Prevention Toolkit, which is really great, and they have a free curriculum that can be downloaded um, for tobacco education. Uh, the FDA has a, a real cost campaign, um, and locally, I would, I would. Um, direct you to the uh, Connecticut Clearinghouse for information. They have information on all kinds of substance misuse and connecting people to treatment and recovery supports. Um, and not too far from here in Ridgefield is Insight Counseling, and they have a new cessation support uh, called Vape Stoppers. It's a three session evidence-based program uh, to help teens who are trying to quit. It's, a, it's based on a cognitive behavior behavioral therapy. So that's insightcounselingll.com uh, for more information about that. So there are a lot of resources that you know are nationwide and also locally here in Connecticut and of mm-hmm. course folks can always get in touch with us. So um, I'm with the Western Connecticut Coalition um, and my, uh, are the number at our, for our office is 203-743-7741. So if anybody has any questions, they can certainly um, direct those to us. And I also want to just kind of do a shout-out to uh, New Milford Can, which is the local prevention council here in New Milford with services New Milford and Sherman. Um, and they were recently awarded a $2,000 grant, a mini grant, to work specifically on vaping. So right now, um, the coalition is working on collecting data, like what does what does vaping look like in New Milford? Mm-hmm. You know, looking at retailers, what does youth use look like? What does adult use look like? And then from there, they're going to be working as a group to come up with comprehensive strategies on how we might, um, you know, try to reduce some of that use uh, education and awareness policies, um, things like that. So, um, um, uh, we're really excited to work with the group. It's a great, it's a great organization. They've, um, you know, stacy has been a part of, 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 this group for a long time. And, uh, they recently did a community forum to roll out some of the survey results of their, um, search Institute attitudes and behavior survey. So just, just wanted to do a little yeah. shout out to mm-hmm. them. <laughs>
0: Well, that pretty much sums it up. Um, thank you, Kathy, for joining us today.
1: It was my pleasure.
0: To learn more about Western Connecticut Coalition, please visit wctcoalition.org.
1: Awesome. Thank you. I loved being here. It was it was good. And I hope that everybody who's listening learned a little something. Um, and I just want to reiterate that, you know, the main goal here is just to keep our young people and everybody in our community safe and healthy.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this month's podcast. Our executive producer is Stacey Cabasicalian. Our researcher is Brian Hembrook. This show is produced by Roxanne Adele, and our audio producer is Travis Golino. We're your hosts, Dylan Thomas and
1: Sierra Lynch.
0: Thank you for tuning into this month's podcast.